Good evening. What's your highlight of the week? Thank you for joining us again tonight. This is MIT Capitals. MIT stands for Mindset into Transformation. I'm Benjamin Huang, your host tonight. Here we have conversation with people who have done extra,、uh, extraordinary things in their lives. We discuss their story of success and the mindset drive them into achieving the impossible. Today we have a very special guest joining us, Adam Pan, the managing partner of Bridwell Capital.、Yep. Right. Well, Bridwell Capitals.、Uh, Adam is a real estate、uh, syndicator and real estate investor. Let's dive in and listen to Adam's great story and the lesson he wants to share with us today. Adam, thanks for coming to our show. I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Adam.、Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, things going on,、um, especially on your syndication's、um, journey. I. Was、uh, very happy to meet to、uh, met met you、uh, a few months ago, and there I learned you know the great stuff that you've been working on.、Um, do you want to give a quick background to our audience on what you have done and how like what's your、uh, pre syndicators、uh, you know world life look like and how you you know come into the syndication? Yeah, definitely.、Space. So.、Um I went to college to be a software engineer.、Um, I actually find a, a quite a large number of people that are in this space came from an engineering background. But、um, so I was a software engineer for about five years,、um, and I just was acquiring property, and I was running them as short-term rentals. But I realized at some point、um, you just can't keep. You run out of money at some point, right? You either you get Fannie and Freddie out, or you run out of your own capital. And then you have friends and family that are asking, "Hey, how do we get involved in this?" And so, to be able to find to learn about syndications and be able to raise money through a larger group of people, you provide more diversification across, you know, an investment, right? Because you're not buying one house; you could buy ten or twenty at a time,、um, and then you can share that that return with、um, your group of investors that you're bringing together.、Um, I got started.、Um, Listening to the real estate guys and taking some of their syndication courses, and then and then building up my my network of investors. And、um, the first syndication I did was、um, in oil and gas, actually, because、um, one thing that I'm really focused on is being able to alleviate tax problems, right? So if you're a high W two earner, or even if、right. you're you know a real estate investor, you just make too much money and you don't know you know how to how to offset that tax income. Um, we look for investments that can do that, and so oil and gas is is probably one of the biggest ones in that space. And so we found a partner that we were able to work with,、um, where we could purchase working interest in in oil wells,、um, which lets you offset. You know, I'm not a CPA; I can't provide tax advice, but it lets you offset、um, active income. So if you're a W two earner, you know, I'll speak from my own experience. When I was a W two earner, if you if you take if you make this type of investment, you can actually reduce your taxable income, which Really boosts the performance of that investment because you get the deduct, you get the, the the taxable income back, plus you get the return on the investment.、Mm-hmm. Right, right. So basically, both、um, uh, gas and oil and real estate are are、um, extremely big、mm-hmm. yeah. know, tax benefits. Yeah, it's, it's like, finding those things that the government、good. lays out in the tax、yeah. code that you know they 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 tell you if you read the tax code they tell you exactly what they want you to invest in right because those things are the ones that come with the largest tax deductions.、Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Those are playbooks, basically. The text law is text playbook. Very cool. Um, so, Adam, before we jump into your first syndication, I recognize that um, right from being a W two earner into you know active on either um, investing or you know actively playing the role of you know seeking tax benefit or those investment opportunities. There, there, there got to be some some sort of mindset shift or change right i mean walk yeah, us through so that process the, the biggest thing is you and robert kiyosaki talks about this a lot but you, you know you've got to you've got to think how the rich kind of think right so you're not you don't want to be trading time for dollars right if you go to work and you get a paycheck well you had to if you don't show up you're not getting a paycheck so you want to really think about, well, where do I want to be in five or 10 years? And what do I need to do to position myself in a way that I don't need to be trading my time for dollars? Right. And especially when you get started, I think in the beginning, you really you're going to be trading more time for dollars. Right. You're going to be putting a lot more time in up front. You're going to be you know, really working. A lot of people start doing, you know, they do their W2 and this other thing all at the same time. And that's a lot to do. But if you've, you've got to think that kind of the goal you're going to get to, right? And if your goal is that you are able to just have passive income or that mailbox money, um, you know, you've got to kind of, in my mind, I just, I, I always look at what my goal is. And so a few years down the line, where do I want to be? And then what do I need to do today to be there? Cool. Very cool. Uh, you want to share with us what you want to be? Like your, your, yeah, your I personal mean, goal, short-term, long-term? I don't think I have a number tied to it exactly. I have a number written down somewhere. But, you know, I just want to be in a place where I can do what I want. I want to be able to provide good investments for my network. And I want to be able to provide, you know, I don't I don't have a family yet. But eventually, I, I would like to, you know, build a family. And um, I would like to be able to just be in a place where I can spend time with that, that family and not have to, you know, oh, you know, I've got to go to the office today, right? Very cool. Yeah, so yeah, definitely financial freedom and what I'm hearing. Um, just kind of having the ability to, to do what you want when, when you want to. Right. Sounds good. Um, how long have you been um, doing, you know, like the work other than your W-2? Like how long has it been since the shift of, of your mindset? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing real estate for about six years now, uh, about five or six years. Um, and I've been doing actually about six or seven years. And I've been doing uh, syndication for about a year and a half now. Uh, we had, uh, businesses before where we had partners, right? So it'd be me and a partner, we'd buy a house together, but now we're doing it where we've got 10 and 20 investors into a fund. We can purchase a set of, um, you know, an asset and split that up amongst all of us. And we can get a, a better asset, um, a little more diversified, and we all have the same amount of money and has had we just bought one house. But, you know, now if if you look at, you know, property and you, you have a 10 percent vacancy rate, well, really on one property is either going to be a zero percent or a 100 percent vacancy. Right. But if you can buy a set yeah. of property, mm-hmm. then you can get that 10 percent. That's a number. Yeah. Right? Very cool. Yeah. I mean, this this is the same idea as, you know, from single family to multi. Mm-hmm. Right? When we get into multi, it's really just the number. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that we, you know, want want to focus on, right, is being able to um, group sets of properties together, right? So sets of single families, because I still love the 30-year debt you can get on them. Um, 
I love the the amount of people you can sell it to, right? There's lots of exit strategies. I know you do multifamily, but you know, if you want someone to buy your apartment building, you need another investor, right? But yeah. if I want to sell a single family house, I could sell it to another investor. I could sell it to someone who wants to live in it, someone who wants to rent it, an institutional investor, right? There's just a there's a lot of options for exit strategies. Right. You have yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you, you can potentially pack them up all together or you can break the break break mm-hmm. it down and right. Very good. Yeah. Um so uh when uh let's let's actually let's talk about your, your first um uh, syndication, mm-hmm. right? On the on the gas and oil projects. Um give us ideas on what that looked like and um what was the challenge and what the number looked like. Yeah. So, I mean, whenever you start raising money, the hardest thing is that, you know, really getting people to to write the check, right? You know, people can tell you all day, hey, yeah, I love what you're doing. I'd be very interested. But when it, you know, it comes down, when it comes time to, hey, do you actually want to invest? They've got to be willing to commit. And so we work really hard with our list and our set of investors to make sure what they want what that what we are offering is what they want and what they need really more importantly. And so we have, um, on, on our first deal, we, you know, we were amazed how easy it was to raise money, right? We had $2 million overnight. Well, none of those people actually invested. So, you know, we, you, you have to turn back around when, you know, that, like they said, at that point, when you go to actually ask for the, the wire or to, you know, to send the, sign the documents mm-hmm. and send a wire transfer, um, there's a lot of work before that step, right? You got to nurture that relationship and, and be able to, you know, kind of get them to the point where they know that's what they want. Right. And it's not, it's not a hard sell. It's just a, you know, it's a conversation and making sure that it's meeting their need. And if you meet their need and you, you work through this process, right. then, then they normally move forward. But it was definitely a learning experience in the beginning of, you know, how do we go about raising capital and, you know, how do we expand our network? Yeah, that's that's a very interesting part. Um, in terms of the, the the capital raising portion, maybe let's dive in a little more. When you were uh uh you know doing your first deals, um, did did you start off you know pulling up the investor um, list with the connection that you already have or yeah so yeah right, so we went process? to um so it's me and a business partner that really worked together on at, at, you know the two founding members of, of Bidwell capital which is our syndication company and um it's me and my business partner phil we went through our list of friends family you know people we went to college with you know guys that we co-workers people we knew that would you know match the investments that we had um, and then just tried to figure out where they are and what they are looking for, right? Is, is Are they interested in, in an investment like this and a partnership with us on that investment? Um, and then beyond that, you know, mm-hmm. you have to start asking for referrals. That's really the best way, The you know, for as far as, you know, amount of feelers put out versus the number of investors we got back, referrals is the best way, right? If you If you know someone... And they know that you do a good job and they make a referral, right? That's a lot easier than going and, you know, cold calling someone or, you know, I meet a lot of people that, um, you know, just like I met you the other day in Jacksonville at an event, um, you, you meet people at events all the time, but then going from that, Hey, we just met to, do you want to invest in our deal is, is, is a process, um, um, both from a legal standpoint and from a, you know, a trust standpoint, because you know, this entire business really operates on trust. Exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, no matter no matter how legal you are, or like no matter how how, how strong the event that you guys you know were able to to meet, really mm-hmm. down to the bottom is trust, right? Whether we trust you enough to give you the money. Yeah, not only do you know, you know right. there's there's different levels of trust. There's right, do I trust you as a person? Do I trust this deal? Or and also, do I trust that if something goes wrong, you'll be able to figure it out, right? Because Something always goes wrong, right? So you've got to be, you got to have an operator that really exactly. knows how to work in that asset class, right? And like I said, on the oil and gas stuff we did, we, we partnered with a great operator. And then um, on short-term rentals, right, that's something I've done for six years. So when we end up doing a, a short-term rental fund in the future, <clears throat> that's going to be something that I have experience with. I have experience with dealing with guests and what happens when stuff gets stolen or the cleaners don't show up, right? There's all these little aspects that if you partner with someone that doesn't understand the space, right? That that's, you're not going to, either things could come up and it could be problematic. Right. Exactly. Different asset class would have their own issues and yeah. also their own challenges. Right. So the know-how is truly something, you know, need to be equipped. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's a big thing. Most people could go out and buy a single family rental property, but I'm sure you're, you're familiar with this being in a multifamily space, but you can't just go out and buy an apartment building, right? You got to have experience or partner with someone that has experience. Exactly. And, and, and to be honest, your, your biggest partner is the lender, right? It's a bank, right? So, so your biggest partner won't let you buy, you know, things that size if you have no idea or yeah. nobody in your team has that expertise. Right. Exactly. Cool. Um, Edwin, um, you were saying that the, uh, investor, uh, investor list initial, you have like two, two million, you know, equity that you think you can raise and, you know, how much people how much equity that actually went into or actually take the action yeah you no know, so uh it was it was two hundred thousand. is that what we got off of that first you know two 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 million dollars of soft commit and then we got two hundred thousand dollars of people that actually wrote a check um it's like ten percent yeah it's ten percent right and then wow. you know and so we learned real fast on you know what is a soft commit and how do we how do we make those a little more reliable, right? Because if we're going out and thinking that we need to buy a building or buy buy another percent working interest in an oil well, we need to know what we're actually able to raise. And so, um, you know, we just, we're just, and we're still in the learning phases, right? I think we're always going to be in the learning phases. People, everyone's different and there's always something new to learn, but spending some time, more time, I guess is what I'm trying to say, with, the investors and really learning more about what they need so that when we offer this solution, it, it's, it's an exact match, right? You're not trying to sell your product. You're trying to match your product with a need. Exactly. Exactly. But don't you need to, uh, you know, communicate with your potential investor on why this is an asset class makes sense Right, because it it's usually I mean it should not always be whatever investor need you fulfill that right in case this is a bad asset class or you that's asset class you see it's going down. yeah and so you know we have monthly newsletters that we do um, we have um, updates that we do through our funds that are active and so you know we kind of provide information 
about what we do and and that lets people reach out to us a little bit and at the same time you know when we're when we're doing our onboarding calls with new prospective investors you know we're asking about what they've invested in the past and what their needs are what their income levels are so that you know it's a personal conversation and it lets you really kind of see what their what they could need right and so you can explain hey these are the things that are the benefits of our investments and then kind of they you know let them walk themselves to the solution right if you have you know if you know that you pay a ton in taxes and i'm talking to you about all these benefits tax wise that our investment has then you can go ahead and kind of say oh wow that might be something that interests me I see. I see. So basically, you uh, start off the conversations and uh, lay out the potential benefit, and let them convince themselves. Yeah. Right. You know, you want them. You want it to be a decision they make. Right. At the end of the day, you don't want to do a hard exactly. sale, and you don't want to force someone into anything. Right. So you want mm-hmm. to have a conversation with them and just show them what's out there. Right. Because a lot of a lot of people fall in this trap of paying high taxes or. You know, being stuck in the stock market, making no returns or losing money just because that's, you know, the general consensus of how you make an investment or what you need to do. And so if you can provide this education that shows them there's these other options out there, they're a lot more willing to to move in in that direction. Mm, I see. I see. So um, for uh, for multifamily um, syndication usually it, it it would have about like two weeks to three weeks. Sometimes you get a month of time to raise the the, the money. How how about the uh, syndication that you did for the gas oil? Does it like what's the time frame that you start calling for capitals? And, and so it's and normally between a month and two that we have, um, and it's going to vary a little bit based off of how much. Um, how much we're looking to raise, right? And then how much, because we're not buying 100% working interest. So how much are we looking to raise? And then how much is the company that we're working with, how much have they raised, right? Because if they, you know, it's not a co-syndication, but, you know, we're investing in their deal. And so we, you know, we kind of upfront tell them, hey, we think we can raise this much. And then if they fill up and, you know, we're at this amount, they'll probably just finish filling it. Um, So we can lower our amount a little bit Mm -hmm. now. Last time we were able to bring it all the way up to, to where we wanted to be, but uh, it's a little more flexible than if you went out and bought a building. And then from the single family standpoint, what we're looking at doing is, you know, buying small sets of property at a time, right? We'll buy, you, you know, we'll raise money. And as we start to raise money, if we get, you know, enough to buy four houses, we'll buy four houses and we'll continue down the path, you know, more of like a fun style. We have a criteria, and you can buy some, raise, raise some money, buy some more, raise some money, buy some more until you hit whatever your outlined criteria was to close the fund. Mm, I see. I see. So you you can set a mm-hmm. time frame for the fund. And throughout the process, well, when the fund's still open, you can yeah. keep buying yeah. individually. I see, I see, I see. So the, the closing for the certain property would not be the closing of the syndication. I'm sorry, say that again? So the closing for one of yeah. the properties will not no, be the No, right, same. because especially, and, okay. you know, we haven't done a syndication on, on the single family, but this is just kind of what we're modeling. The You don't want to go in, you know, for a multifamily, you're going to go in and you're going to get a LOI and get it under contract and and then start raising. But you wouldn't want to do that on a on a single family residence when, you know, 
Sam from down the street is trying to sell his property and now you're going to lock it up until you go raise some money. So the, the goal is to be able to, to have the cash in the bank so that we can purchase the property um, after we've raised the funds. But we outline all the criteria up front. That's what we've talked to um, our network about a little bit and right. um, uh, what we've talked to attorneys about should we want to do something like this in the future. Mm, I see. Do you think the same thing can get applied to multifamily? Well, I mean, right. I, I, I don't, I know you don't do much multi, but do you know the same structure can be applied to like multi? So say you start fundraising and until the deal show up, you can use a cash to buy. Yeah. You, you know, I'm not an attorney, but I, I do believe the similar idea would work. I think they're, they're normally considered blind funds to a certain extent, right? So you, oh, you'd have a, you'd have a fund and maybe there's some criteria and you're outlining to your investors what you're trying to buy, but you're not going to, um, you're not going to have the, the thing under contract and you're, you don't have to have your investor's approval on every property that you're going to buy. Got it, got it. And of course, those information will need to be laid out up front. Yeah, yeah, right. You're going to, you just, as long as, my understanding from it, from the um, attorneys I've spoken to is as long as that's disclosed, you can do it. So, sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you're listening to this, right, I mean, if you need details and make sure you check with your attorney, right? I mean, we're just chit chat here, right? Just trying to understand how people are doing things. But, ultimately right you like go with your attorney because whatever your attorney say is the way that you should operate right yeah yeah it's you know and it's super important to find an attorney that you can work with right because if you find someone that just hands you a set of documents and then says okay have fun that's a lot different than having an attorney that every step of the way you can go back and ask a question or figure out hey was this is this the right way to do something um or hey i want to send out this letter to our investors or prospective investors is this okay right is this violating any any sec regulations so um there's more regulations out there than i would ever care to you know learn every little piece of right that's not my job we hire attorneys and and experts to do a lot of that so you know to really have that good counsel exactly exactly adam we all know that in syndications um capital is one thing the other thing is deal right Mm -hmm. um let's talk a little about the deals how did you find deals and what would be the the philosophy that that you have when you're screening deals yeah so for me i want to operate in a space that i'm familiar with or with a team that i'm i have a lot of trust in right so to me the biggest part is having a good team you could have the best deal in the best market but if you don't have a team to execute it you know, it's just like having a bad property manager at your property, right? You could have a beautiful property and beautiful tenants, but if the property manager doesn't collect their rent and doesn't tell you when the garden hose spigot is broken and the floods everything, right? You're not going to have a successful business. So for me, I really look at the team. I look at a team that's trustworthy. I look at a team that understands what our mission is and what we're trying to do. And then from there, well, first I look at a market in that market, I try to build a team. But from there, you know, I go and find deals in that market that make sense to me, right? So, you know, for instance, I have some property that I personally own in Memphis. And so I went out there and bought some property and we're working to build a team, right? I had a team at first, but that team wasn't wonderful. So now we're building up a better team should we want to bring investors out there in the future. Got it, got it. So team ultimately deterred what kind of deals that you will be looking for. Yeah, well, I think I think it's a lot 
it's 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 hard to get a team it's hard to get a deal without a good team right so i use the team to really be able to to bolster my deal and make sure that it's good and to make sure that it's going to we're going to be able to execute our plan right fair fair enough good um that's Let's talk about uh, the the interest that that we we, we recently talked about um, on your short term rental, right? You do have um, some interest in that space. Uh, what are you looking for? What's your vision? Yeah, so I mean, I have short term rentals. I have some in Northern California. I've got that building in Memphis I just spoke about. Um, my my vision is to be able to provide. So what we do is I call them kind of blue blue collar rentals, right? So um, it's not. Um, it's not luxury beachfront vacation properties. It's um, contractors and nurses and pe- families visiting kids at college, right? So I want to have sets of those. Our cash flow is good. They're recession resistant because contractors and nurses still travel. And even during COVID, we had good returns on all of our all of our rental properties. Um, even those, those, you know, non-vacation style ones. So, you know, my vision for that is to, is to be able to build a fund similar to that in the future um, where we can bring investors into those. Because like I said, we have um, partners on a few of them in the Northern California area, but um, uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's a very good asset class. And truly to me, it's backed by real estate, which is why I'm so interested in it, right? You get that 30-year debt, you get an asset that is very maneuverable, right? You can rent it long-term, you can short-term rent it, you could do mid-term stays, right? You could do, um, you could mm-hmm. sell it to a family, sell it to an investor. It's just a very diverse asset class. And it's a good inflation hedge. Cool, cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, third-year debt is the inflation yes. hedge. Right? Yes, <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Um, and I think uh, we, like, uh, for almost Every single guest that comes to our show, we we go with uh, those common questions uh, because we believe that uh, you know people who have done great things they got to have some you know um, either personal like philosophy or you know the special ways that you know uh, drive them go through the challenges, right? So um, give us some do's and don'ts, like considering you know throughout your entrepreneurial journey, like what are do's and what are don'ts? Yeah. So to me, I think the biggest thing is just, just start moving, right? Like you're not going to get anywhere if you don't start. So, you know, me and you could talk all day long about all these great things we want to do and all these plans we have, but if you don't put those plans into action and actually start making progress, you're not going to get there. Right. And there's going to be times that you fail and there's going to be hard times but just keep moving forward and, and you will get where you're going. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's just the biggest thing for me. I'm always, I'm quick to fail, right? You know, I prefer to fail really fast, real fast to then learn a two years from now that I failed at something, right? Just keep pressing right. forward. Exactly. Exactly. Just like um, what we have learned from the real estate guy, right? Take the precision in perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very nice. Uh, the other question that we have is, um, is there a recommended books or any uh, a resource that you um, regularly consume your either, you know, en- energy from or knowledge or things like that? Like, what would be your um, 
you know, top one recommended? Um, I always listen to people that whenever they say, hey, there's this book I read. I don't necessarily go out and buy it instantly, but I research it a little bit and I see if that's a book that I think would be really helpful. Um, There's a book called by Chris Voss called Never Split the Difference. And it's a um, negotiating book. I think that's a very good book on, you know, on negotiating. And I think that it it, it has a lot of a valuable impact. You know, he speaks about, he, he was a hostage negotiator for the FBI. And he speaks about, you know, if, you know, if me and you are arguing about price, you can, you can decide, Hey, you know, we're going to meet in the middle, but if he's negotiating for someone's life, there's no really meeting in the middle. Right. So never split the difference. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was a very good book. It's probably one of my more recent reads. Sounds good. Sounds good. Great stuff. Um, let me see. And Adam, um, we would also love to promote our, our, our guests. Um, is there uh, any social medias or any, uh, like, how can people find you? Yeah, so people can go to bidwellcapitalfund.com, and that's our business website. If that's too hard to find, it's just adampen.com can also take you there. Um, and then I'm on, we're, on, we're on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, that's probably the, the best way to find me would be bidwellcapitalfund.com. And then uh, through there, you can sign up for a newsletter too, if you're interested. Um, I mean, like you said, just take action. And I mean, if the smallest action you want to take is just learn more about what we do, you can go to our website and schedule a call with us. You, know, you can have a call just with me and we'll you learn more about what we do and, and what, what steps you can do to, t- to move forward.